It's hard to tell, but it's likely a mad scramble is going on among federal information security officers as the extent of the solar winds hacking becomes more visible. For more likely scenarios, we turn to the former National Security Agency Chief Security Officer, now with Fidelis Cybersecurity, Chris Kubik. Mr. Kubik, good to have you on. Good morning, and it's a pleasure to be here with you today. And I'm going to ask a question which you may or may not be able to answer. But, you know, a couple of years ago, the NSA lost some of its own hacking tools that it used in investigations and and whatever intelligence gathering it does. Is there any sense that this is evidence of those tools being used by people that had them out in the wild? As you already uh, mentioned, that's not really something that I could comment on today. All right. Well, (laughs) you are former NSA. That's the way it goes. So put yourself back in your old job as a federal agency cybersecurity operative. And what is the reaction do you think is going on? And what do people do first when they hear about this? Well, you know, the first order of business is to figure out whether, you know, a particular department or agency's networks have been compromised. So there'll be a huge effort to really do that discovery and damage assessment phase to really understand whether or not they are within the scope of this particular attack. And, you know, from there, it it really determines what their next steps would be. I mean, some agencies know they have been hit, but is it possible that even this couple of weeks after we know about this, that they don't all know? And does it take time to do all the discovery required, given the complexity of the systems today? Yeah, I think that what you mentioned is, is spot on. It's going to take some time to sort out exactly who's been compromised. I mean, we know certainly folks that use the uh, SolarWinds you know, software that was part of the supply chain attack would be within scope and, and certainly need to be concerned. But, you know, we don't know all the details yet. So there's potentially other attacks out there, uh, you know, other ways that the attacker gained entry. And, and as we discover those, those could certainly expand the scope of this. But certainly those people that use SolarWinds need to dive in. But you mentioned another key point is the complexity of networks. Networks are interconnected. So adversaries, uh, attackers can certainly hop between networks. They have capabilities and techniques to do that. So just because you didn't use SolarWinds doesn't necessarily mean you're not potentially compromised. So that's that detailed work that needs to be done to really dive in, do the analysis, understand what systems were compromised by the attacker, and, and really get your head around the full scope of the attack. And how do people know precisely what to look for? Because often these malware pieces are very small chunks of code, and so they might be hard to find among your stacks and stacks of software that are running all over the place. There's really kind of two answers to that. You know, first of all, we've already uh, learned a lot from what FireEye has publicly posted as far as the different attack techniques used by the attackers. We certainly know solar winds is an attack factor. So certainly, you know, looking for evidence that those same attack techniques that we already have signatures for were used, you know, that, that's a tip off that the adversaries were in your network. But, you know, there's also advanced forensic techniques that can be used that can really dive in and look for just evidence that systems have been corrupted. But, you know, that'll be a challenge for folks because, you know, the attackers uh, use very good tactics. You know, they're very careful in how they attack the system. So they likely didn't leave a whole lot of breadcrumbs behind. So you really have to have a skilled set of analysts that understand the attack techniques used by adversaries and look for evidence that those attack techniques were used within systems. Because once you have been infected and it came from solar winds, you're a couple of layers removed from the original IP addresses that might have sent these out. Is there any possibility that a given agency can detect the original source at this point? Well, you know, I think at this point, you know, there were specific versions of SolarWinds that were compromised. So I think if your systems currently have or ever had any of those versions, uh, specifically during the time frame that, you know, from March on, you just need to assume that you are a potential victim and you need to take actions assuming that your systems have been compromised. And people look for 
different vectors expecting attacks, and there's lots of monitoring systems that have been in place for a long time, and those keep getting more sophisticated. Did this come from a vector that nobody ever dreamed would come from, and therefore nobody was watching because SolarWinds is or was a trusted supplier, and patching is something that every agency attempts to keep up with? Well, um, so I, I wouldn't say that it's not a, an attack vector that hasn't been used in the past. Certainly, uh, supply chain attacks have been used across history. So it's not a new attack technique, so to speak. But um, you kind of hit on a key point. You know, a lot of defenses are tuned to be able to detect known threats. So they have signatures for vulnerabilities that, uh, you know, in systems. This is a new attack vector. So there were no signatures that were going to readily pick this up. So that's where uh, more sophisticated technologies need to come into play, ones that can really look for anomalous behaviors within networks and kind of flag those to the security operations team to investigate because the traditional signature-based defenses just aren't going to cut it when you have a new threat, you know, a new attack vector like we saw in this particular attack. We're speaking with Chris Kubik. He's Chief Information Security Officer at Fidelis Cybersecurity, formerly with the NSA. And do you imagine the NSA is probably lending advice to agencies at this point, too? Um, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't have any insights into that, but, you know, I, I fully expect that uh, all of the expertise across the government from NSA and from others, I mean, there's plenty of uh, folks with very good um, analytic skills, uh, very good forensic analysis skills across the government. And, and I got to believe that they're all leaning forward and helping out these agencies that have been hit because, you know, this does take a skilled analyst to really dive in and, and find the minimum breadcrumbs that the attacker would have left behind. And that expertise is, is certainly in short supply, uh, both in the government as well as the commercial space. But I got to believe that the, you know, the federal government's doing everything to help out any of those uh, impacted at the federal level as well as uh, you know at the state or local level. And given your earlier point that this is not a brand new vector, that people have been using supply chain attacks since there have been online computers, what should the government have been doing differently or what should it do differently now to make sure that it's in tune with that vector? That's a really good question. You know, supply chains are inherently very complex. I mean, you have lots of third-party suppliers. You have components that are, you know, built all over the world. And, and, you know, we now have global economies. So not everything is developed here in the U.S. It's developed on a global scale. So it can be very challenging to try and secure that supply chain. You know, there's certainly been lots of good work done in that space. And the vendors in particular, the folks that are building products, they're interested in making sure their supply chains are secure because not only can it cause an attack like this, but it also, in a lot of cases, supply chain chain attacks create fraudulent versions of their products, people, you know, essentially stealing their intellectual property and selling, you know, knockoff versions of their products. So they're very interested from a bottom line in securing their supply chains. And they've done a lot of good work in that arena. But I think when it comes to supply chain, given the complexity of it, you know, you're not really going to completely fix the supply chain problem. You really need to kind of manage the risk to the supply chain. And, you know, managing risk has to happen on the vendor side, as well as the people that are actually buying the products. You know, on the vendor side, they need to do the due diligence to make sure they're fully vetting their supply chains, you know, doing audits and those types of things, uh, understanding the secure processes that their vendors, uh, suppliers have in place to protect the supply chain. And then the folks on the, you know, the buying end need to make sure they're buying from trusted sources and making sure that they're properly, you know, installing and configuring um, their products, making sure they're getting the software from authorized sources and making sure that people that are maintaining their systems, you know, are also trusted as well. Because really on the buying side, you know, the supply chain is also very broad. So you have to look at it from a cradle to grave standpoint. And as a federal CISO, what would you say to SolarWinds at this point or any vendor to which this happens and causes so much apparent widespread damage? 
Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think any vendor could potentially be a target. So, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of throw stones at a vendor. You know, the attacker demonstrated really good OPSEC techniques based on what's been published in the press. So I think it would be hard for anyone to really detect this type of an attack. But, you know, in this particular case, the attacker was able to kind of inject software into the tools within SolarWinds that they used to build their gold copy of the software. And, and so it's, it's very critical to make sure that the gold copy that you develop, that authoritative source of your software is trusted. And that's where that vendor due diligence comes in. They need to make sure that, you know, if they have third parties that are providing software to them, that they vetted those third parties. Um, it, it helped to do independent verification of the software, have a independent team look at the software to look for, you know, signs that um, something's been inserted. And they need to secure their internal systems where they do those software builds to make sure that somebody can't inject bad software into your build process and, and have it be distributed out to customers, as we saw with the SolarWinds attack. And you spent a long time in the federal government, and now you're on the outside looking in at it as a would-be contractor and so on. What's the difference in point of view? What are you noticing differently from the new point of view? And it must be frustrating to have so much you can never talk about, having been at NSA for all those years. Yeah, uh, you know, but but certainly that that knowledge couples over. So, um, and, you know, where I can, I, I you know, I like to help out on the commercial side and apply the knowledge I have on the uh, the federal side. So I, I think that's a healthy thing. But, you know, uh, I, I think really whether you're talking a, a federal a CISO or whether you're talking uh, private industry, there are plenty of private companies that, you know, we believe have been impacted by this as well. And, you know, time will tell what the extent of that is, but it's not just a federal thing. It's, it's uh, really, uh, you know, across commercial and and, uh, federal government, uh, and as I mentioned before, local and state governments could be uh, impacted as well. So I think probably the federal CISOs are feeling a lot of the same pain that's being felt really across the entire uh, landscape. Chris Kubik is Chief Information Security Officer at Fidelis Cybersecurity. He's formerly with the NSA. Thanks so much for joining me. Well, it's my pleasure. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. University of Bridgeport, you can complete your master's degree in elementary or secondary education tuition-free and only pay for your teaching internship. Start on your path to becoming a certified teacher today. Visit bridgeport.edu slash teach to learn more. Apply today. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.